The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show will feature an interview with Giants beat writer Zach Rosenblatt of NJ Advanced Media in uh, just a little bit, so stay tuned for that. Uh, First, just a couple things to talk about. Your your Giants are off for the summer, basically, uh, you know, summer officially starts here in a couple of days. Giants are off for the summer now that uh, OTA's minicamp are done. We won't see them until, I believe it's July 27, when uh, NFL players report for training camp. So the Giants have a few weeks off, but here at Big Blue View, we never rest. We'll have plenty of Giants coverage to keep you entertained, keep you informed, get you ready for the 2021 NFL season throughout the summer here on Big Blue View Radio with with my show, with shows done by Chris Flum, Joe DeLeon, and Nick Filato as we talk about anything and everything to do with your New York Giants, with the NFC East, with the upcoming schedule, uh, with the NFL at large, as a matter of fact, at Big Blue View. View.com. We're running a series that we do every year, 90-man roster profiles. We'll do a breakdown of every single player on the roster. We're about a third of the way through those at this point. Uh, if you if you haven't been reading those, please stop by the website. Try to catch up on those. There's an easy-to-read story stream which lists everything that we've written so far each player that we that we have profiled up to uh, up to this point Thursday I believe was uh, was a Dory Jackson Friday will be uh, Rising John so that should be up sometime on Friday for uh, for your reading pleasure we're also uh, getting our annual summer school series going Chris Flum usually uh, takes the lead on that as we try to uh, to educate you on on uh, various uh, 
various aspects of, of football. It's sort of a football 101 series we do every year. Chris does a fantastic job, you know, breaking things down. He'll have help this summer from uh, from Nick Filato. He'll probably have help from Mark Schofield as well. As we bring you uh, a, a summer school series, the first piece uh, is already up at Big Blue View. That was a piece basically breaking down uh, 11 personnel uh, something that uh, that obviously we see a lot but uh, to it we, we did that piece to help people understand why it's used what its benefits are what its drawbacks might be and, and how it might uh, fit into the offensive scheme for your Giants in 2021 uh, in addition to that, we'll have uh, we have videos from Emery Hunt on our YouTube channel. Our Instagram page is updated as often as we can. Our Facebook page is updated daily. So please, you know, continue to uh, to read Big Blue View. Continue to check us out on all of our various platforms as we keep you informed and get you ready for your 2021. New York Giants football season. All right, Giants fans, let's uh, let's get to the interview that I did with Zach Rosenblatt of NJ Advance Media. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Giants beat reporter Zach Rosenblatt of NJ Advance Media. Hey, Zach, thank you very very much for uh, taking some time out to uh, to join the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ed. I'm happy to be here. Hey, so we are. Uh, we are in the throes of the uh, of the off season here, and and we're all doing you know fifty three man roster projections and 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 camp battles and and those kinds of things as we look forward to to training camp. And you and I both did the fifty three man roster thing, and and I was kind of amazed at how similar both mm-hmm. predictions are, but. I guess where I'll start, I have one sort of surprise cut, I will say. The one guy that I have been leaving off my 53-man roster projections is O'Shane Ziminis. Hmm. And and some people wonder why. And and I don't know about you, but you know, I, I will I I will tell you why. I just had the impression a year ago that he wasn't a favorite of this coaching staff. And with all of the, the additions on the edge, I wonder if, if he's a guy that's got to come to camp and prove that he belongs. Um, Just maybe we'll start with your reaction to that. And maybe when you think about it, you know, one guy that most people think is going to make this, this roster that, that you think might not. I think Zyman is, is, a, is probably the best answer for that. Honestly, I, I so like a, before minicamp and I, I can't even remember if it was before OTAs or not. I did like a thing where I basically went through every guy in the roster and categorized them, whether they were on the bubble, a long shot or like a lock to make the team. And I, and I was surprised at how, how like easy it was to put O'Shane in the, on the bubble area. And it, I mean, it makes sense if you look at it, like, you know, this coaching staff didn't draft him. Um, he didn't look very good before he got hurt last year. Like, I mean, he didn't play very many games, but he got hurt early in the season. And before that, he didn't make an impression on it. Like Lorenzo looked like he might have been ready to have a good season finally. And then he got hurt. Oh, Shane, you didn't see that from him. He didn't he didn't flash really as I mean, he was OK as a rookie. Um, not great. 
Um, and, and so, you know, he needs to have a good, he, I, I, I've been thinking about this lately, like there, there's going to be a Ryan Connolly type of cut this year, you would think just because, especially because this team is deeper now. And, and I've, I've said this to people, I think the roster cut downs is going to be more exciting to cover this year. Cause you have like some bigger name guys that maybe aren't going to, you know, be a locks to make the team. But yeah, I, I think O'Shane is probably the best answer for that, to be honest with you. Um, if we're thinking like just like surprises, if I had to pick someone who, you know, I, I like would be a surprise that I don't necessarily think is going to get cut at someone I've been thinking about is Darnay Holmes. I, I, I really like him personally. I think he's a good player. I think he can become a good player. At least I think he showed flash last year, but they did draft trade up to draft a guy in the third round. Um, they drafted another corner in this draft. So I, I, I think Darnay, like, I think he's going to make the team ultimately, but if you're thinking like, someone who if he has a bad camp and we, we get down to the 53 man cut down and we're surprised by a name not being on the roster. I think he's somebody who would be interesting. Darnay is an, a really interesting choice. And I don't know how you feel about this, you know, but there's certain guys you, 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 when you watch the team every day and you, and you talk to guys and, and, and you think about it, there's certain guys that maybe you can't confirm you know what you think, but you get kind of a nagging feeling about certain guys. And, and my nagging feeling about Darnay Holmes is I thought he had a pretty good rookie season, but, and yes, he got hurt at the end of the year and he missed a couple games, but when Xavier McKinney got healthy and got back on the field, he was playing a lot of nickel. Xavier McKinney played nickel and Darnay Holmes didn't play. And it made me wonder just how this coaching staff actually feels about Darnay Holmes. I don't know if you had the same thought. Yeah, no, I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot. Cause I I'm, I'm like you, I thought, you know, I mean, he, he got targeted a lot, but he was a fourth round pick playing every game. Um, but I, I thought he did show some flashes last year. I mean, to the, I'm not like, quite the level of like a football expert as this coaching staff, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, I kind of had the same thought, you know, when they, once they re-sign Logan Ryan, um, you know, they bring back Xavier, who's obviously going to play a lot. They used a second round pick on him last year and you still have Jabril around here and you, and you trade for Aaron Robinson and they, and they keep saying how they believe Adore Jackson can play inside if he has to like that, everything they've said and pointed to like points to that, but it, at the same time, you know, like, it's funny, like it, Anytime we talk to someone like Logan Ryan, he always brings up Darnay Holmes without us even asking him about it. Like he brings, he mentions him as like one of the guys on the team. So I, I feel like within the position room, I think they like him quite a bit. I'm, I am curious what the coaches and Joe Judge think about him because I mean their actions. You have to, you can only base it off their actions. Their actions indicate they're not very high on him. But I don't know. I mean, I think he could, he could be a starter, quality player in the league. Maybe they don't view it that way. Um, I know he worked at punt returner during. Uh, mini camp and that was kind of a disaster i think he muffed a few of those um so it's it's going to be very i mean i think he still has a chance to start be the nickel in week one if he has a good camp but he's not the favorite i don't think at this point which is kind of crazy to think about yeah it's interesting you know when you think about training camp and you think about the secondary and i'm going to put safety together with cornerback as i think about it because there's so many interchangeable parts in there. And there are guys that, you know, Bradbury's a corner or Dory Jackson is a corner. Logan Ryan is technically a safety, but you know, but he can drop down. Xavier McKinney is the same way. Julian Love is the same way. Um, 
you know, Jabril Peppers is technically a safety, but the way the Giants use him, he's on the line of scrimmage a lot. Yeah. So you you could almost consider him, and I think we'll actually see him play some sort of pseudo linebacker at, at times this year. Because well, that, that's how you get Xavier onto the field, really, right? You put right. Closer I, to yeah. I think the the battle for roster spots at defensive back is is to me one of the most interesting parts of of training camp agree yeah i mean they have a lot of interesting names back there i mean you look at um they're probably gonna bring back nate ebner which is going to make it even harder to make the team for bottom of the roster guys whether i mean hopefully ebner never has to play another defensive snap agreed (laughs) but uh yeah i mean you look at corner like isaac yadam i know fans are like always quick to like make fun of him but I think he there was a stretch there where he played pretty well last year. I know he's not a guy you want to be your number two corner, obviously. But I mean, as like your fourth or fifth corner, like I'm, I th- I'm okay with that. I mean, Sam Beal's gone. You would think um, they drafted Rodarius Williams. I, I mean, it's hard to get an impression in minicamp. I didn't really notice him. Um, like I mean, they clearly liked him enough to draft him. And if Joe Judge is drafting you, I feel like he thinks you can make the team. It's kind of like his thing. Um, I don't think I'm missing it. I mean, it seemed like Jaron Williams got some pretty good reps in uh, minicamp as well. But, yeah, man, it, they have a pretty deep group. And J- Julian Love is even an interesting name as a guy that, like, I don't think this coaching staff was particularly high. And if you look at how they just, like, continually refused to use him at every chance they could until the very end when he finally played an outside corner and looked okay. But it took them that long. And, you know, there was a point where, like, Adrian Colbert was playing ahead of him at safety. So he, if, if, like, to go back to like the surprising name cut or whatever, I think Julian Love would be a candidate as well. But uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a very, it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch that group play out. And I think the nickel corner spot, like Aaron Robinson versus Darnay, I guess even kind of versus Xavier, is going to be fun to watch in camp. Yeah, sure it is. And, and, you know, it's just one of the really interesting things for the Giants this year versus a year ago versus, versus two years ago is you know i don't know how the year's going to unfold and i don't know how daniel jones is going to play but but when you look up and down the roster you know i see starter caliber players and i actually see good backups almost everywhere across the roster so to me I mean, it's taken a long time. It's t- this is Dave yeah. Gettleman's fourth year putting this team together. But to me, you know, I don't look at this roster and say, oh, my God, they have nothing at this position. Yeah, I, You know, all across the roster, I see, you know, at, at the very least capable players and, and, and quality backups. Yeah, I mean, especially on defense. Um, like I, you can you can say, like, there's question marks at spot, but I don't think there's any, like, I don't think there's any necessarily like weak spots like that. Like the edge rusher is the biggest question mark on defense. You probably agree, but right. I mean, but like that depends on how you feel about like Lorenzo Carter's potential and Aziz Ojalari's ability to come in and make an impact right away. And you know, whether if Fadi uh, Denigbo can make an impact, like they, they have an interest, a very interesting group at edge rusher. Like, and there's, I think there's possibilities there. Yeah. There's nothing that there's no, there's no one there where you say, yeah, we're absolutely going to get, you know, the Giants are absolutely going to get double-digit sacks. Yeah. They're absolutely going to get but, a Pro Bowl performance out of this guy. There's possibilities there. Yeah, and I mean, and you saw last year, I think you just give Patrick Graham good enough players at those spots. He's going to, like, they were they were winning with Nico Lalos uh, yeah, they were. last year. Like, it, I, I think I think that's why, I mean, they, they went, I know they went after Leonard Floyd, but I think that's why you saw them being, like, okay with not, like, going all out to address edge rusher because I think they 
they wanted to start from the back and work to the front, which I think is like a Patriots type move. Um, and you bring Leonard Williams back, who's your best pass rusher, and you, you think Dexter Lawrence is going to take a leap. And so you, you take some flyers and hope you land one of them. Um, you know, they're taking a bunch. I mean, you can even argue like Lorenzo Carter is like, I mean, he's a he's a flyer in a way just because you don't know what you're going to get from him coming off that injury. So, um, so if they if they even hit on one of those guys, they're in really good shape. And then I know I, I think you feel pretty good about the D line even without Dalvin Tomlinson. I, I feel pretty good about it still. Um, inside linebacker, I mean. Uh, Blake Martinez is one of their most important players. Uh, Tate Crowder is better than anybody could have expected. Um, probably better depth of Ragland there now. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I just think that the the defense in particular, you, I mean, you, we could talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about the offense uh, and there's definitely questions on like the offensive line and Jones and all that stuff. But like you said, like this, like talent wise, this is got to, I mean, I, I've only covered, this is only my second season covering the Giants. I've been in the NFC East for four seasons. Um yeah, we won't talk about the team you used to cover. <laughs> but, I mean, this is the most talented Giants team, without a question, in the last four years, like at least. Sure, sure. So, Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's, uh, let's actually do this. Let's talk about the draft a little bit. Let's talk about offense a little bit. Um, you know, I, I talked about sort of, you know, having a nagging feeling about certain guys, um, you know, Darnay Holmes being one. And, you know, you talked about Julian Love a little bit. And, 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 you know, we talked about O'Shane Zimenez. And, and I will say this I loved what the Giants did in the draft, moving down, you know, it's it's accepted sort of and i don't know if it's 100% true because the giants are never going to confirm the fact that they would have taken devonta smith if he was there but that's sort of the the accepted wisdom at this point and you know and and when smith wasn't there and when waddle wasn't there they moved down they end up taking kadarius tony and you know, at, at number 20, loved the trade, loved the move, loved the theory of taking Kadarius Tony. But Jeepers, has that kid had a weird spring or what? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's even crazy. I mean, it, it, it's almost gotten overblown now because, like, you know, Florio covered it. And then because he, he, the, he was running with second team, which I didn't, the fact that he was running with second team is not the issue at all. I think that was probably expected. But yeah, I mean, it's been a strange. Um, 
mini camp OTAs. I'm sure you talked, you've talked about it a bunch on here already, but um, I mean, I, I would say like, I, I've been asked about this a bunch already. Like, and I, it's definitely like you you have it in the back of your head. I think it's too early to get like fully concerned yet, but there's definitely like, you're thinking like, okay, this is interesting. Um, but it, I mean, so the funny thing is like, I, so I did a big story. You did too. Uh, I did a big story on Kadarius and I talked to like some of his former coaches and his dad and, and like people close to him. And and one thing they, they all kept going back to was like how, how much he like loved practicing, how great of a practice player he was and how hard he went every practice. Like you never had to worry about him at practice and it's kind of funny because the opposite has kind of been happening in minicamp but I, I think once we get the training camp and it's full go I think if if we don't see that energy that everybody told me about then I think I'll start getting concerned but because so many people told me about how hard he practices which is probably something that Joe Judge found out in love and I'm sure um so I, I think that's what I'm gonna I mean he's gonna be maybe even the top of the list of things we're all gonna be looking at in, in the in the training camp which I, I don't know if I expect to necessarily just because of like you know, everybody, they're so deep at receiver in theory um, at this point, and they have all these other question marks. But I, I think he's he's like all anybody wants to talk, has, has wanted to talk about in the spring. Which, well, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, I, I agree with you. It's like it, it, it's not time to, you know, to, to, to ring the fire alarm yeah. <laughs> per se. Be concerned. But, yeah. but it's like show you know show us just just get on the field two days in a row <laughs> you know i mean it, it's just it, it's an odd start for him yep um i'm not concerned at all about the fact that he ran with the second team i mean when you stop and you think about it he's he he probably enters the season as the fourth wide receiver and you know you that's that's pretty much the the norm when you see these rookies come in into into a mandatory mini camp they don't they don't get plugged right into a starting lineup they they sort of you know they they take it little chunks at a time and 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 they'll build a role and i think that's how the giants will probably use Kadarius tony anyway is as a as a fourth wide receiver as a guy that's on the field with extra packages and you know gadget stuff and you know he's not going to catch seventy balls as a rookie. I think if people think that, I think they're 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 looking at the wrong thing. You agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw like there's I think it was ESPN projections had him at like over 100 targets, which is just I mean if that happens, that means everybody else got hurt. That's the only way that happens. But I would say like it's interesting because I want on one hand I like you he's not going to get a lot of targets in theory, but on the other they did use a first round pick on the guy, so you don't draft a guy in the first round and then not play him a lot. So uh, it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see how they find that fine line because you know they they signed Kenny Galladay they bring back Shepard and Slayton and you bring back Evan Ingram and you sign Kyle Rudolph so like are they gonna run a lot of 12 personnel I feel like they'll run a bunch of it and then you wonder like who are the two receivers that are out there so it's 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 gonna be very interesting to see if Jason Garrett can can find creative ways to use these guys I mean he didn't show us a lot of give us a lot of confidence last year obviously but um, oh, you, 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 you had, you, you had to bring up, you had to bring up Garrett, didn't you? You just had to, <laughs> had to you can't go, we went a long time without bringing him up, you know? Yeah, we actually did. And, and I will say this, I thought that the giants did the right thing by bringing him back this year. I thought because Daniel Jones, I think he had to learn a new offense his last year at Duke. I think he had to, you know, then his rookie year with the Giants, and then his second year with the Giants. And at some point, you've got to give the kid some continuity to, you know, to give him a chance to 
to learn and settle in and, and, and be comfortable. But, you know, Jason Garrett's going to be a lightning rod for the Giants oh, this yeah. year. If that, if that, if the offense struggles there, he's, he's, you know, he's without doubt a guy who, who, who is, is probably on a hot seat and, and, and he's, he's going to take a lot of heat if this offense doesn't, uh, doesn't turn around. I mean, and, and, and there's the Freddie Kitchens factor too, because the Giants can say what they want, but Freddie Kitchens is looming over his shoulder. There's no doubt about that. You uh, you see it the same way? Uh, absolutely. It, it's it's as if like they have the replacement like waiting to take over kind of thing. So it's almost like, all right, you don't mess up, Jason. Don't mess up. And, and the interesting thing is like I feel like because of how bad they were, like they, they were even worse than anybody could have reason reasonably expected last year in offense. And it's the funny thing of everybody thought the offense would be fine last year. And the defense is going to be a problem and that wound up being like the complete opposite. But um, like what Jason has working in his favor is that there's the only way to go is up. Like there's no way Daniel Jones can play 14 games again and only get 11 touchdown passes. That, that already seems impossible just when you say it out loud. And then when you look at all they did this offseason, like so, but it, it's ultimately going to come down to um, We'll both write this a, a million times between now and then it comes down to how Daniel, Daniel Jones improves or not. And if the offensive line gets better and if both of those things don't happen, then they're not going to be any good. They can be as talented as they want everywhere else. But like, that's why they took a huge risk bringing all these O-line back. They clearly agree, believe in their talent. They changed everything in the coach staff. I think my, one of my bigger concerns is, is there's so many, you know, cooks in the kitchen now, especially on the offensive line um, and on the offense in general. So it's going to be, you know, I, I think just to, I, so the Eagles last year, they did like a weird thing where they didn't have an offensive coordinator and they like brought in a bunch of these veteran guys and everybody kind of had a voice and Doug Peterson was calling the plays, but they had like four other guys that did different things. And it was a disaster as you saw the Eagles last year. I don't, I don't think it'll be the same with the giants. I think they have better structure, but um, there are a lot of voices in the room. I, I, I do agree. It's like, okay, you bring in Rob sale, you, you praise Rob Sale as as this guy who's a great you know developer of 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 talent and all of those things, and yet he's a first time NFL you know assistant coach, and you put you bring in Pat Flaherty, you put Freddie Kitchens in a role where you're saying one of his primary responsibilities is going to be the offensive line, and. And you know that, and you know that Joe is paying attention. You know, I watched one of the practices the other day, and he was he was sort of looming directly in front of the offensive line as 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 I watched practice unfold. And mm-hmm. and of course, Jason's got some some input into what's going on there as well. So it it does. It just seems like a it a lot as you said, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and you wonder how it's all going to play out. And yet. And yet I look at it, I'm good with their decision to go with some of these young guys. I mean, this is what they drafted these guys for a year ago. And and they drafted Matt Pert to be the starting right tackle in 2021. They drafted Shane Lemieux to be a starting guard. They drafted Andrew Thomas to anchor that line on the on you know on the left side. And I'm good with them just, you know, letting those guys play and seeing how it unfolds. I what I what I want to say, what I want to ask you about is I I get a kick out of the oh my God, 
the Giants are actually going to let a bunch of guys that they that they drafted, they're actually going to let them play, and we don't know what they can do. <laughs> I, I just get a kick out of the panic. It, well, I th- and I think it's from the fan base. I mean, it's the offensive line has been bad for so long now mm-hmm. that, like, it, I think it's fair to be skeptical until you see something different kind of thing. Like, you can keep, like, you know, oh, this is the year they get better, and then it doesn't happen. I mean, on paper, you know, they cut – Kevin Zeitler, who, you know, by most metrics was their best. He wasn't amazing or by any stretch, but he was their best guy. They cut him for money, brought back Nate Solder, who the last time they saw him, he was one of the worst offensive linemen in the NFL. So I, I, I get the questions that, but I, I think the giants are making a clear statement that we believe in the talent and they, they clearly, you know, by their actions feel like the coaching was the issue, not year, not the players. Cause if they felt it was the players, they would have changed the players and they didn't change any of them. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, I, you know, Matt Pert, you know, I think he showed flashes last year. I think they were smart in the way they used him in. We'll see if that pays off this year. Um, Shane Lemieux wound up playing a lot more than I expected, and I'm sure that experience would be great. And one thing you have, everybody has got to remember is last year was a weird offseason. Obviously, they didn't have OTAs, minicamp. Uh, there was no preseason. And everybody always says offensive line is the hardest adjustment to the NFL. So, you know, those first four weeks were like their preseason. They were terrible in their first four weeks. They were still pretty bad through the first half of the year. They got better in the second half of the year as they started playing together more. So you hope like with the chemistry they're building and, and like in, in theory, like the development should push ahead and Chandler Lemieux can't be much worse. And, you know, Andrew Thomas showed some real flashes at the end of last year. He has to continue that. Like they have the pieces like in theory be good, but it's like, so I, I talked to a, I talked to an expert named Dan Hatman. He's like, he's a former scout of the Eagles. He used to work with the giants. And he told me that you only need, you only really need three out of five offensive linemen that are good to like, and you can, you can like make it work with the other two spots. So if three of these guys, like you, in theory, you think Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates are the ones they're banking on being good. So if one of Shane Lemieux, Bill Hernandez at a new position and Matt Pert at right tackle, like, so if one of those guys can, you know, exceed what they did last year, then they're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, Dan happens to be, Dan's a guy that's been on this show you know, oh, nice. a few times. Very and, smart uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a good guy. He runs the scouting academy, knows his stuff. Um, so, you know, but so I'm, I'm going to have to ask him about that. Three out of five. Huh? Does that mean yeah. you and I, does that mean you and I could take the other two spots? <laughs> well, his, his, his thing was like, you can like, you know, you know, rotate different guys in there, figure out who works and like, you don't have to worry about it as much, but if you have at least three, then your offensive line is probably going to be good. Cause most offensive line, there's it's like, there, there might not, there might be a weak link, but he looks okay when he's next to a bunch of good offensive linemen kind of thing. Yeah. There's, there's always that there's always the, it, one of the things I think people don't get is there's always that if the guy next to you is really, really struggling, it can impact, you know, it, it yeah. can impact, you know, if the, if the right guard next to you is really struggling then it's going to impact the center or it's going to impact the right tackle sorry to cut you off but i mean if you look at last year like how much better andrew thomas played with shane lemieux than will hernandez like i I know some offensive linemen will say that's overblown but i mean if you just look at the numbers it's it's like a fact he played significantly better with lemieux than he did with hernandez so maybe there's just a different comfort level there with those guys and that's important obviously hernandez is going to be it is an interesting one this year because i i wasn't 100 percent sure they'd bring him back um, he's going to be playing a new position. I mean, Zach Fulton, I, it doesn't seem like he's actually a threat to the starting job based on what we saw in minicamp. Um, but, you know, Will Hernandez, this is like a make or break year for him. So I, I'm very interested to see how he looks at a new – he's never played right guard, I don't believe. Unless no, he, he hasn't. Yeah, so – it's You know, the Giants have never really 
talked that much about Hernandez last year. I can't believe, you know, they've, they've never really, you said, oh, he was benched or he didn't, or why he didn't play yeah, you know, that many snaps. They still, and they still haven't, you know, technically, they haven't addressed it. They haven't, you know, they haven't officially admitted, you know, that he's the right guard. Yeah. It's 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 kind of it it it's a little bit bizarre, but I I have to believe that that he was impacted by you know by yeah. COVID. Which you yeah, know, you gotta, it's and, important and, to point that out. Yeah, he got COVID, and then maybe he never physically was the same. Who knows? But it's it, it it's interesting. I, I he's never been. I think people have the impression that he's been awful. Yeah, and he's never been awful. He's just never been Quentin Nelson. Yeah, I mean, and, and he got all this, all that hype when they picked him the second round, and he had that great combine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was a very strange situation. I mean, it's not like he was playing amazing before he got COVID either. But I, I did not expect him to leave. Like, if you remember, he had played every single like snap in his right. career at this point, which is right. Crazy. And I don't think we've. I mean, we talked to him like once when he got back from COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever talked to him because we did the Zoom thing, so they were never going to give a backup offensive lineman to us, I guess. No, they weren't going to give us Will, especially yeah. since yeah. they probably yeah. didn't want him to talk anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like he's – I mean, I know he's been working with Duke Manyweather this offseason, who's, you know, an offensive line guru that works with some big-time guys. Um, so he's taking it seriously. I think he seems like he – like if you just base it off, like, Instagram photos and hangouts, he seems to be pretty popular amongst, like – he's always hanging out with like Daniel Jones and Saquon and stuff. So I think he's pretty well liked in that room. I mean, I'm sure that they all came up together, obviously in the draft and stuff. I mean, but yeah, I mean, this is, he's in the last year of his deal. So I, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, and they don't really have any, I mean, Zach Fulton, again, like he's a veteran that, so their, their backup offensive line is, is kind of interesting because they have all these veteran guys, although none of them were that great as starters, which, no, but they're all guys who, like, if you, you have to plug them in for a game or two, you can. I think yeah. you you can survive with that, and and that works. But it's they're all guys, kind of like we found out last year with Cam Fleming. They're yeah. all guys who, if you've got to play them for a couple games, you're fine. But if you really, but if you want to start them for sixteen games. You're gonna find out why, <laughs> you know, why yeah, they're and that's why, why it's crazy to think about that. Cam Fleming wound up starting all 16 games. I don't think I would have predicted that before the season. So nope, nope, would not have seen that coming at all. But uh, you know, there's only there's two guys we haven't talked about as we sort of wrap up, and that of course is Saquon and and, and Daniel Jones. And you know, we got a chance to talk to Saquon a little bit there, I think uh, you know, in, in mini camp. And do you have the impression that that the Giants and maybe Saquon himself just aren't sure he's going to be ready to handle a full workload, you know, week one, you know, when the season starts? As we've gone on, it seems more and more like that, right? right. Just the way they've talked and the way they've, they've really taken – they're emphasizing how they're taking it slow with him, which is a smart move. There's no, there's no reason at all to rush him back. Um, I mean, I think they're – they're inevitably going to pay him a lot of money at some point. And so they want to make sure that their investment is worth it. So they, they need him to get it through a season this year. Like he needs it for his sake. They need it for their sake. They've, you know, I know Dave Gettleman has tried to say that Devonte Booker is a three down back. I don't believe that personally. Um, he's an interesting player, but um, so they, they need Saquon at his best. And, you know, they, everybody went from talking about how he's not going to miss a beat, but, 
I mean, and everybody like thinks about, you know, this is this physical freak. So obviously he's going to be fine. But I mean, ACLs, if you look at like Dalvin Cook, um, his first year back was he was not good. And the year after that is when he went off. And so I think they got it. They're going to have to try and be patient with him. Um, not necessarily saying he can't be really good this year. But yeah, I'm uh, I am very interested to see how it works. Like training camp, I, I wonder how much we see of him. Maybe by the end, he's a limited guy. Uh, maybe he misses week one or he's, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's uh, they, they ease him in and they start Booker that week. Like I, I'm, I'm, it's it's very more very much more up in the air than I thought it was going to be, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, the thing of it is everyone is hoping for the Adrian Peterson comeback yeah, for yeah. Saquon. I think and, Adrian, and, Adrian and yet, be that the expectation. Yeah. And 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 yet I think the the reality of it is is the Adrian Peterson comeback is the exception to the rule, not you know, it yeah. it's not something that should be expected. No, I mean there's way more cases of guys that don't ever become the same player again after an ACL. Um but and, and I think like I would say a more reasonable expectation would be the Dalvin Cook timeline where, you know, he shows some flashes maybe that first year and it's not quite himself. And then the next year, I mean, the Giants can't really afford him to not be himself. As, right. As you know, before, good. hey, before we talk about, before we talk about Daniel Jones, which will kind of wrap it up for us here, I wanted to ask you, I know that, uh, that you had an opportunity to get to know uh, Gary Brightwell a little bit, um, you know, back in the day when you were working out in Arizona. Uh, just some thoughts on, uh, on Brightwell, you know, who was a bit of a, you know, I kind of expected the Giants to take a running back there late in the draft, figuring there just wasn't much depth in the room. And, and then they went out and they brought in Corey Clement and, and Reichwell Armstead as well. But, you, you know, which, which kind of proved my point, but just, just some thoughts on, on Brightwell, who I thought was a surprise as a pick for the Giants. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, so I just to give some background to your listeners. Like I, uh, before I came back East, I, I went to school at university of Arizona and then I worked at the Arizona daily star for four and a half years covering football and basketball. My last year, which was like 2017 was his freshman year. <clears throat> and so I I've, it, it's just crazy because Gary has this like crazy story where his, his dad was murdered when he was a child. His sister died in a car crash before, like right before he went out to college um, and then I found out in doing, I did another story. So I to bring it full circle. I did like a story on him when he was drafted by the Giants, obviously, and talked to his mom and his grandma died the morning of his pro day. Um, he's had, he's lost friends to COVID and, you know, gun violence and from where he's from, like he's just dealt with more loss than any human being should be, should have to deal with. And just like a very, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He just wants to work hard. He, you know, he's not someone who's going to get into trouble. In terms of like play, like I was surprised he got drafted. I, everything I saw was that he was projected to go undrafted. Um, but you know, I, I'd, I'd stopped following Arizona a little bit after I left. I didn't realize how much he played on special teams. And then when you talk to people, you realize like that, like really was where they got attracted to him. His ability to be a, a gunner on special teams and and get down there. He really tries hard down there. And I, I think he can develop into like a good running back. I don't know if he's ready to play on offense right now. Um, he, he looked pretty good in the, in the, st- in the practice we saw, I think he showed some pretty good hands and some athleticism, but yeah, it was, it was hard to tell much of anything yeah. about any players during yeah. the, uh, during, during the mini camp and, and, and OTAs, which I didn't see the OTAs, but usually you come out of spring practices with an idea of, you know, three or four guys to kind of, you know, who, who might've gotten your attention. And I, I just, 
practices weren't structured that way. Yeah. I mean, there was there was no there was really zero competition. That, that's a, that's a funny. Like you look at like the Jets, we were doing like full on team drills, like full speed, um, not hitting obviously. And so you, you saw all these takeaways from like the Jets tweets and stuff like that. And then us, like like I had to do like uh, observations after every mini camp practice, and it got harder and harder as it went on because, like you said, I mean, number one, they were like in the far field where we can't really see them that well, mm-hmm. and and then like they're going so slow and you know and in the, in the even in the team drills the defense isn't even allowed to defend the passes so like there's a you know the catch that kenny galladay had that like went viral on twitter among fans like the the, the, cornerback, a, the cornerbacks yeah. weren't allowed to put their hands up so yeah, it's a one-on-one catch, catch with no throw. defense Gee. Yeah, was, sure good catch <laughs> good throw but i would hope they make that catch in that throw when nobody yeah. so yeah i got a kick out of it. like you said it was very hard to like figure out who played like the, all we could do is base it on like who was running with who, like in terms of like first. Yeah, you, you could like get that. some that's interesting. Awesome. Oh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting grouping here and there. But, yeah. but as far as to say so-and-so played well during minicamp or so-and-so played poorly, there was really no playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so we're, we're all very much uh, chomping at the bit to get to training camp where we can find, we can actually like figure stuff out. And actually from the sounds of it, actually talk to people face to face. I'm looking forward to that very much. You and me both. Hey, the one guy we haven't talked about, so let's wrap it up with this, Daniel Jones. And obviously you've written about him a bunch. I've written about him a bunch. Everybody's written about him a bunch. I mean, when all else fails, you're right about the quarterback anyway. But but just, you know, we know what what the hope is for Daniel Jones. The Giants are hoping for a Josh Allen esque, maybe not to that extent, but a Josh Allen esque leap in year three. Where are you on Daniel Jones? Do you do you think do you think he's a guy who can who who can be the Giants quarterback for a while? Or or you know, when you think about it, do you think a year from now the Giants are going to be back in the market? Man, it's it's gonna be a pretty much the number one thing we write about this year. Um, you know, I, I, one thing I've always, I've said for, since the off season started, I, I think that he's not as bad as like the national perception of him is. And I don't think he's maybe as good as the giants think he is. So I think he's somewhere in the middle. I think he can be like a guy that is, you know, if he cuts back on the turnovers, which he started doing last year, he can be a guy that's not going to lose you a game that can like run the offense and, you know, make, make some big plays with his legs and maybe down the field. Um, but I, I, I also don't think he's a guy that's, you know, going to single-handedly win a game for you necessarily. Um, I, I, he, he has, he's a very interesting player. Like he's, he's big, he's athletic and in theory has a big arm that should be able to go down the field, but you know, he still makes a lot of the same last year. He made a lot of the same mistakes he did his first year. And you just make some decisions where you're like, what, what were you thinking there? And he, you know, he's, but ultimately, like it's so, it's so, it was so hard to evaluate him last year just because the offensive line was so bad and the receivers just did not get open. And Evan Ingram dropped everything that was thrown to him in key moments. <laughs> and, um, like, like again, like you can make all the excuses in the world for a guy, but at the end of the day, he has to like prove that you know he's as good as the Giants think he is, and he hasn't done that yet. So, um, what what do I think happens? I don't know, man. It's like so hard to predict just because we don't know how the offensive line is going to look, but. I think he'll be better. Like he can't be worse than he was last year. 11 touchdowns in 14 games is just like unfathomable to me. If you, the more, the more you say it, it's just a, to play that many games in the, in a passing league and to throw 11 touchdowns is just wild. 
You know, I, th- I think you're 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 absolutely right. It's it, in one way that it's very very difficult to judge a guy when you know when there's so much around him that's that's not optimal. And yet, I think it was Mike Tannenbaum that I talked to, former Jets GM, now runs uh, a website called the Thirty Third Team, and he does a lot of work for ESPN. And and Mike said, you know, sooner or later no matter what's around a guy, he's got to show us that he's the guy. Yep. And, and I think Daniel Jones has, has, has shown us a lot of reasons to think he might be the guy. He's got the personality. He's got the, you know, he, he's got the smarts. He's got, he, you know, he, he's got the athleticism to, to make some plays, you know, with his legs. And yet he hasn't shown us yet that he is the guy. And I think he, that's what he has to do this year. Otherwise, you know, otherwise I think, you know, there, there could be, there could be a a lot of turnover in the giants uh, at the end of this year. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I guess it's near the quarterbacks he expected, but I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people's jobs around the line that are banking on him. Um, But at the same time, like the giants with that bears trade, which I think is universally adored for a good reason. Like they, they have the ammo to move up and go get a guy next year if they really want to. They, yeah, they don't, they, if, they don't if, have like a lot of cap space, right. year, which I think they expected. So I don't know if they're going to, you know, trade for a veteran guy necessarily, but I think they can move up. I don't know this quarterback class very well. I'm sure somebody will emerge. They, no, have, enough, I, they have enough Mark, assets to move up and get somebody if they really wanted to. Yeah, I was going to say our Mark Schofield, who's a, a quarterback analyst, okay. does some work for us, does some work for some other places, took kind of an initial look at this quarterback class. Certainly at this time last year, we knew a lot of the names of, of guys Yeah, and it, you know, that, and the one coming up doesn't seem to be that kind of a quarterback class, but, but you're right. The giants have those two first round picks. They've got some other things they could do. They can always package those two picks and go get themselves into the top three or four if they needed to. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully they don't have to do that because I don't know about you, but you know, I feel like it, it It sure would be nice to spend my days writing about a good football team for a change. That's what I'm saying. Like, you and I talked about this a little before we got on the pod. Like, a lot of times, like, fans get mad when media, like, is negative. But when your team, when a team is, like, one and seven, like the Giants were last year, you write about it. It's not, but it doesn't mean we want them to be losing. Like, we're not rooting for them to win or to lose necessarily. Um, and it's it, covering a winning team is better than covering a losing team. I I, I covered the Eagles for two years and the first year, like when it, they went on a run at the end of the year to make the playoffs, like those like four weeks. And then in the playoffs, so it was just like really exciting stuff. Um, and I'm sure you've, you, you've dealt with that covering giants when, you know, when they last made the playoffs with Beckham and all that stuff. Um, it's, still, it's a lot more fun when they win. It's more fun and people have more interest in your stories. And that's where we're, we're based on, you know, people reading our stories. So we guys are a lot easier to talk to as well. Guys guys are more willing and easier to talk to, you know, there's no like contention when we have to ask like why they got, you know, killed in a game or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. it got got repetitive. Those first eight weeks got really repetitive with, with Joe judge because he kept saying the same stuff. We're like, okay, you're, you you believe you're doing the right thing. Okay. You're one Mm -hmm. and seven. We'll end up obviously yeah. playing a lot better the second half. Yeah. Like, second half of the year, we got, got pretty fun towards the end. Like, the games weren't yeah. all that exciting. I, I do remember 
I do remember, you know, Joe has a way of letting you know when he doesn't like your question, although he'll be nice yeah. about it. But I, I do remember, I don't remember what game it was, but there was, there was one point in the year where, you know, Joe talked about progress, progress, progress all year long. And there was one point where I asked him, Joe, you just got beat <laughs> by 30 some points or whatever it was. I said, it's your fourth loss in a row or whatever. How can you, how can you call this progress? <laughs> and, and he just basically said, well, I see it on film. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> yeah. I would say even Joe is a better interview for us when they're winning, because when, when we're, when he's losing, he kind of just repeats the same talking points, but. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is very, very true. Hey, Zach, appreciate the, uh, appreciate the time, appreciate the insight. Maybe we'll do it again and, and it'll be fun to actually sit in some face-to-face -face interviews this summer. Hey, just let folks know, uh, if they don't already know, you know, where they can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter, what you might have coming up. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm at Zach Blatt on Twitter, Z-A-C-K-B-L-A-T-T. -T. Um, you can get all my content at nj.com slash giants. Um, we'll still be writing throughout the summer. Like you, it's, you got to get more creative when the off season, this part of the off season. But I mean, I, I try to write like profiles about guys and, you know, off the, off the beaten path kind of stuff. So I'll be, yeah, I'll, I'll be there and, and I'm looking forward to getting back to training camp and seeing Ed and get, getting back out there and writing some observations about some real football. Air there you go. All right, Zach. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, Hey, I was going to tell you, I had to laugh. You were talking about uh, um, Will Hernandez. Mm -hmm. And I got a chance. I don't know if you saw. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. Thanks again to Zach Rosenblatt of uh, NJ Advanced Media for spending some time with us. A quick reminder again to check out Big Blue View on all of our different uh, podcast channels and all of our different platforms, YouTube, Instagram, our website, Facebook, Twitter. We've got content for you all over the place, YouTube as well. So please check us out uh, anywhere and everywhere that you, uh, that you consume information. There's something Big Blue View there for you. So, uh, so please check out, uh, check out all of the channels that, that you can. All right, Giants fans, please remember, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.